Hey guys, this is Tony McElroy, and the show is My Interpretation of the World Around Me. It's another late night recording, but it's once a week. We'll get started here in just a second. As I said, my name is Tony, and uh, this is uh, kind of my view of the world around me. It may not be right, but uh, damn it, it's my view. Anyway, get started tonight. I thought uh, some of the things might be interested, uh, uh, some of the things I've heard during the week, it might be interesting for you to um, hear my thoughts on. Uh, one thing that I heard that I was uh, really surprised about, and I must admit, when I first heard this story, and of course it may have been delivered in, in, in a way to make me think this, but when I first heard the, heard the story, I thought it was all of the Chicago schools were doing this. And uh, that doesn't appear to be the case. Uh, what I'm speaking of is Chicago public schools, uh, our school, bans brown bag food. So... Um, you know, my impression was, what the hell? <laughs> what do you mean brown bag food? That To me, that sounds like kids can't bring brown bags with food in them. And, and listening to the story, they were basically saying that um, this, uh, the Chicago schools, it, it, it's what I heard at first, they did not want kids bringing food from home because it wasn't healthy enough. They wanted them to buy the lunches from the schools because those were healthy. They were um, tuned so they would be uh, healthy and uh, wouldn't promote uh, fat, heart disease, you know, et cetera, et cetera, down the road. And on the surface, it sounds like a wonderful idea. It, it almost sounds like um, some of the laws about uh, riding a motorcycle with a helmet because if you fall, you may hit your head and it will kill you, or um, I think possibly worse, um, make you a vegetable and um, not be good for you, the family, or the state, or the government. But looking it up for this show, it sees that uh, I see that it says uh, a principal of Little Village Academy on Chicago's west side has banned lunches from home, except under certain health conditions claiming that the cafeteria food provider will make certain the kids have a healthier lunch uh, than mom or dad could be expected to make. Okay. Again, it's not a bad idea, but this is very intrusive. This is the government, um, well, you know, it, it, it in a nutshell is basically um, this health care package that was passed. We're going to do this because it's for your good. It's for the good of everybody. It doesn't matter what you want because we are the government and we are going to dictate to you how you're going to live. You're going to have to pay for this health care and too bad. 
uh, it was very clearly stated by the American people that the health care bill was not wanted. Health care reform was needed, but, but this monstrosity bill was not something that the majority of the American people wanted. And it struck me that this brown bag ban is exactly the same thing. The heart of the uh, principle of this one school, not all the Chicago public schools, the principal's heart is in the right place. However, it's not something that's a good idea. Um, as I was reading some of these articles, I see that, uh, uh, well, in this one I'm reading about uh, from Conservative Outlook's uh, website, it says, uh, yes, this public school, most parents are complaining, saying they can make lunches cheaper than the 225 charged by the cafeteria. And part of the problem that I think this Chicago school was having was because of the smaller portions and because of the food that was being um, made available to the, to the students, very uh, fewer and fewer students were buying the lunch from the cafeteria. Oh my God, this is amazing. So what you're telling me is when people are given a choice of having something that tastes good or something that's good for them, they're going to pick what tastes good. This is, this is just utterly amazing to me. This is, you know, this is like the basis of capitalism. You can have somebody dictate to you what you're going to do, have, how much money you're going to make, because if you make too much, uh, somebody arbitrarily comes up and says, you know, you're making too much money. You can't, there's no reason for you to have that much money. So this is how you're going to live your life. Instead of making the information available and saying, you know, if you eat fettuccine Alfredo every day for 30 years, you probably won't make it past 25 of those 30 years because it's just not good for you. And here's why. This is what they need to be doing in the public schools. Yes, I understand it's, it is probably a losing battle because kids, are expe- especially kids, are going to not care about that. They're going to want to have something that's fun to eat. And I think that there ought to be a balance. But anyway, back to the my main problem with this is the public school is, in effect, uh, a government because they are governing, governing these children. And they're stretching out this, this governmental arm to the parents. And they're saying, you can't make a decent lunch because you send uh, sodas or you send uh, Twinkies or you send, you know, whatever in this lunch. Because that's what the kid wants. You, you know, you're not responsible enough a parent to be able to tell them no, to be able to tell them this is not what you're going to have to eat. You're going to eat this, uh, we, so, uh, uh, was it we or whey? <laughs> wheat, let's say, let's go with wheat. Wheat, soy, uh, uh, concoction that uh, will make you feel like a million dollars. But, you know, you'll be sorry that you're alive. But, you know, you'll live for a very, very long time. You know, it's funny. Often uh, people say the weekend goes by too fast, and they they really would like it not to go by so fast. I tell them, make sure that you don't fall asleep. Sit in a room and have absolutely nothing going on. 
no book to read, just sit in that room the entire weekend. It will drag on forever and you will get your wish. It's the same thing here. You can be very, the word wouldn't be studious. You could be very disciplined in how you eat. You could do the calorie restriction thing so that, uh, you know, it's it's been shown that calorie restrictions will uh, actually help you live longer. And there's people on severe calorie restrictions trying to uh, prolong their age. And that's great. It's their choice. But the thing is, do you want to have choice? Do you want to have that that joy, that pride of success? Because you maintained your body weight. You maintained a healthy lifestyle on your own. Not because a government entity limited your choice. And that's the problem with this one Chicago public school banning brown bag lunches. This is ridiculous. I, I am surprised there hasn't been uh, a a riot. Because if I was a parent, I would be up there and I'd be chewing somebody's ass. That is ridiculous. But I live in Texas, not in Chicago. In Chicago, they may be used to this uh, government intrusion. Uh, I hope that's not an unfair thing to say, but um, our president is from Chicago and he's definitely a liberal. Something else that I found uh, actually just tonight when doing some research before I was going to record this show, and I hope this isn't a too geeky for you guys, but uh, but I am a little geeky. So I thought this was very interesting, especially considering the uh, fuel prices that we're currently at and um, what this may mean for uh, better fuel economy. Now, I don't know that this will be able to be something that we'll be able uh, to go into our current vehicles. It may have to be only on the new vehicles, but but I get ahead of myself. So this is from ScienceDaily.com. It's a, it's a really good site for what's going on in science. Um, if you know of a, a better site, please let me know. Um, you can email me at Tony at Mulcaroy.com. You can also leave comments on the, uh, the website, uh, www.muckleroy.com. We also have a, a phone number for feedback and comments if you'd like to use. Uh, you can just call 530-675-4102. 530-675-4102. Just leave me your name, where you're calling from, and it's for the um, My Interpretation uh, show. Okay, so anyway, reading ScienceDaily.com, the story is Laser Sparks Revolution in Internal Combustion Engines. Yep, laser, as in, uh, well, not technically uh, uh, from Star Trek because that was a phaser, but it's a uh, certainly a science fiction type uh, item or uh, a boring meeting meeting item, a laser pointer pointing at uh, the the slide or presentation on the screen. Anyway, uh, basically it says for more than 150 years, spark plugs have powered internal combustion engines. And if you're not familiar, a spark plug goes into the uh, chamber where the air fuel gets mixed. And whenever the piston rises, it compresses that air fuel mixture. And this spark plug uh, causes a little spark. The same thing you would see uh, if you go across the carpet and touch somebody. You might see that little that little spark jump. Uh 
or uh, you're plugging something or unplugging something from the wall, you may see that blue spark. You get a very much similar thing from a spark plug. Well, that electricity, that, that a jump uh, between two pieces of metal, that spark and the spark plug, ignites the air-fuel mixture inside the cylinder. So without the spark plug causing that, uh, that little detonation to occur, uh, your engine wouldn't run. And that's one of the reasons why you change spark plugs every so often, although it's not as often now as it used to be, is because that controls how well the fuel is burned, and that has a direct, result, uh, a direct correlation to how efficient the engine runs, how much air fuel uh, explodes is a direct result of how much force is put on the piston and, and how fast you're going to go, or how much gas uh, you'll have to put in there to make your vehicle go. If you have a more efficient combustion, then it doesn't require as much uh, uh, fuel. Okay, so they've come up with, a, and this idea isn't a new idea, but what, what is new uh, about this is the laser that they can put in place of the spark plug a laser, a laser beam being shot into the combustion chamber. The the laser that they can put in there, they figured out a way so that they can get the um, necessary energy to uh, create the explosion. And I was just uh, scanning here real quick. Uh, yeah, this is and this is almost um, Back to the Future uh, type language. Uh, it says to ignite combustion, a laser must focus light to approximately 100 gigawatts per square centimeter with short pulses of more than 10 millijoules each. I don't know what 10 millijoules is. I'd have to look it up. But 100 gigawatts. You know, folks, we are in the 21st century. I often complain that things have not moved, on, uh, moved fast enough. This is not the, the 21st century that I was promised as a... Uh, a young child, <laughs> and uh, you know we don't have any flying cars. Damn it! Uh, well, they may. You watch some of these police chases; the the cars may fly, but they're still uh, wheeled vehicles, and uh, there's often a horrendous crash after they fly. But so the hundred a hundred gigawatts. They're talking about. They now have come up with a technology that allows them to create a laser that will fit in the same space as a conventional spark plug that will generate 100 gigawatts of power. Now, this was the stumbling block before because what they needed were these huge uh, laser-generating devices that were external to the vehicle. And actually, they had a problem in trying to get the, the, the laser energy through fiber optics into the cylinders. So this, this breakthrough would allow them to actually take the laser and stick it where the spark plug is. And they, they estimate, or through testing, uh, they've shown that it is three times more efficient than a spark plug. They also say that, um, well, I'll just read this. Spark plugs work by sending a small, high-voltage electric uh, spark across a gap between two metal electrodes. The spark ignites the air-fuel mixture in the engine cylinder, producing a controlled explosion that forces the piston down to the bottom of the cylinder, generating the horsepower needed to move the vehicle. Basically what I said, just in a lot fewer words and more articulate. So, um, the, 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 there was uh, three times more efficient. Just scanning here real quick. I wanted to make this point. Um, 
Nope, nope, nope. Don't see it. So anyway, it's supposed to be three times more efficient, plus it's a lot faster. And that means that you get a better uh, better timing for when the, uh, the proper uh, air or fuel mixture is at its peak. Right now, there's a, a bit of a, uh, uh, well, there's quite a bit of a delay because of the, the nature of how the spark plugs work. So having a, uh, the ability to, to tune the, the timing of the explosion means that it is more likely to get more power out of less fuel. That's a good thing. So this, uh, let's see, it's uh, three times stronger. Yeah, here it is. Um, lasers promise less pollution and greater fuel efficiency. Uh, but making small, powerful lasers has, until now, proven hard. To ignite combustion, a laser must focus light to uh, approximately 100 gigawatts. Um, and um, equally important, he says, uh, who's he? It is according to T-A-I-R-A. Pyra. Pyra Banks? No, couldn't be. That would be impossible. So basically they say that uh, lasers inject their energy within nanoseconds compared with milliseconds for spark plugs. Milliseconds is fast. It really is. But nanoseconds is a lot faster. Timing, quick combustion, is very important. The more precise the timing, the more efficient the combustion and the better fuel economy. So this is, this is really exciting stuff. We've, we've got a technology that's 150 years old, and certainly it's come a long way. But I think internal combustion engines are like 20% efficient. So 80% of the energy that's created is lost. And, of course, you can feel that in heat. Uh, you know how hot the, 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 your, your engine gets and transmission. And, um, my gosh, they run them so hot now that... You can hardly put your, your hand on the hood of the vehicle during the summertime. It, uh, for very long, it'll really get too hot to hold there. At least that's the, uh, the way it is on my Jeep. So uh, I love the idea that they've come up with something that is going to um, allow you to continue to use the internal combustion engine, but make it more efficient. If we could make a, um, an internal combustion engine um, 50, uh, 75% efficient, you would be getting unbelievable gas mileage. Uh, there would not be there would be no reason for gas to be as 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 costly as it is. Or in fact, it could be ten dollars a gallon. What would you care? Because you could run around on a, a gallon of uh, fuel for two weeks. Yeah, I mean, if it's twenty five or thirty percent efficient now, then uh, just making it seventy five percent efficient would increase your gas mileage by a factor of three. I think that's right. I believe that would be true. So, um, yeah, I don't care. I, I, I want to see, I want to see technology and, you know, I, I kind of wonder if maybe somebody knows something and that's one of the reasons why they're really jacking around with the fuel prices. I mean, I know that it's, it's speculators that are driving the prices up and down, but, um, it seems to me that there may be something going on in the technology 
uh, realm that may be on coming up where it's going to be not making us so uh, dependent on fuel. And those countries, uh, and, and of course the, the, the companies here in the United States, those companies that uh, sell uh, oil and gas around the world um, may have a hard time making ends meet. And if you can make as much money as you can now, then it won't hurt so bad in you know the next 50 or 60 years because you can get into other things if you have a few billion dollars laying around. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering if uh, there's not something on the... Uh, uh, that you know the general public hasn't uh, heard about yet that may be coming up that's going to make a, a huge difference in how we generate and use energy. And frankly, I got a Jeep, and I get about 13 miles to the gallon, and uh, I've been doing things to it to try to improve the uh, the gas mileage. And in fact, I guess it was uh, I was getting around 10 miles to the gallon, a little over 10, right after I uh, lifted it and uh, put the oversized tires on it. And uh, um, did a few things to it, and it's consistently, and this is, uh, this is city mileage, not highway. It's consistently um, 12, 5, 12, 7, sometimes uh, 13, 5, 13, 6. So uh, I, I did increase it significantly, but it's not where I would like it to be. The, uh, the Jeep Cherokee is rated at 20 miles per gallon uh, highway. And uh, there are some people getting that. Uh, there are some people getting 22 miles to the gallon, which is uh, you know far shorter uh, than uh, where some of the cars, the new cars, are with, it, with their 32 and 42. I think that's a hybrid that gets 42. But I was very happy to hear about that. I like the idea of fuel-efficient vehicles. If that's what you want to drive, uh, I would love for my, my Jeep to be fuel-efficient. But I don't want it low to the ground. I don't want it uh, small. And uh, I want it to be what I want. And if, if the majority of you will drive fuel-efficient vehicles, that's going to make fuel costs go down. And then I'll be able to drive my big Jeep. <laughs> so I have a plan. But no, seriously, uh, I, to me, it would be great if we were electric, if we had a... Uh, a nice uh, electric generator that was very efficient, very small, that would uh, fit in the, the same area as an internal combustion engine and would generate vast amount of electricity. I mean, it would be great for your home as well, but uh, uh, generate a lot of electricity. And we have uh, electric, I mean, electric engines are much more efficient than internal combustion engines. And I would have absolutely no problem whatsoever except for possibly the cost. Retrofitting my Jeep with uh, uh, four uh, high-torque, uh, high-horsepower electric engines or electric motors on each wheel of my vehicle. Uh, it would be a wonderful off-road vehicle. It would be incredibly fast. And uh, the amount of torque would be, uh, well, There's they have uh, vehicles that are battery-powered, that they have uh, titanium drive shafts, and they still have to control how much uh, throttle they give it because they have twisted that, that titanium drive shaft into pieces. That is a horrendous amount of torque. Uh, that is a very strong metal. And the, uh, the, the, the electric motor is so efficient and so powerful that they cannot 
just put the pedal to the metal and go off, take off as fast as they want to. They, it just it tears things up. So electric engines or electric motors is where it's at if you want racing, uh, fuel economy. Um, I mean, you name it. That's exactly what we need. The problem is, and, and it's one of my blog posts, we need a better power supply. It needs to be small. It needs to generate a lot of electricity. And as I say in my, my blog post uh, on muckleroy.com, if you have that, um, if you have a, a, a way of generating uh, a vast amount of electricity, you literally would be able to go to the moon in pretty much anything that you could seal um, and to create a vacuum. And given enough uh, generation of electricity, you could... Uh, uh, put enough lead or water around you to protect you from the uh, radiation, the solar radiation, which is uh, very can be very devastating, uh, cancer-wise, and uh, you know, actually, in a um, coronal mass ejection, you could actually uh, be. Uh, I think I think this is true. You could be killed instantly, which some of our um, um, astronauts that went to the moon had to face that possibility. And, you know, we knew far, far less about the moon. Uh, I'm sorry, about the sun whenever our, our astronauts were going to the moon. So that was a very, very dangerous mission uh, or missions on several levels. But, uh, I mean, if you generate enough electricity, it, it doesn't take, you not, do not have to go 100,000 miles, 200,000 miles. Well, you can't even go that fast. Uh, you don't have to go 40,000 miles an hour to get to the moon. You don't. You can go 50 miles an hour. This is going to take you a long time. But, uh, of course, the thing you do is, uh, what is it, 16 or, I'm sorry, 62 miles to outer space. 62 miles. So all you need is the ability to go 62 miles an hour straight up, and you'll be in outer space in an hour. So, you know, it, it would be like, you know, driving from uh, here in Houston to San Antonio, which is about three and a half hours, I guess. So if I could go 60 miles an hour for three hours, I'd be well into outer space. And my point is, once you get in, out of the atmosphere, now it is you have very much less uh, friction, very much less uh, things to, to push against. So yeah, speed up. Uh, if you go too fast in the atmosphere, as we've seen, and uh, the uh, the shuttle returning and, and burning and breaking up, a horrible, horrible thing. Um, it's the, the air friction that is the most dangerous thing about space travel. Well, reentry anyway. So you remove that with enough power. You know, you can you can come back at 60 miles an hour too. If you can if you can hold your your vehicle, you know, levitate it and move it up at 60 miles an hour, you certainly should be able to come back at 60 miles an hour. It would be no big deal. And in, in fact, you could go through the atmosphere at uh, several times the speed of sound and, and not, well, several times, maybe six, 600 miles an hour, maybe. I don't know. If I was, if I was taking the Jeep in outer space, I, I probably wouldn't want to come back at 600 miles an hour. I'd probably want to come back more, you know, maybe 100. I know I can go 100 miles an hour in the Jeep, and it, it'll stay together. But uh, even at that, it's no big deal if you have the power available to you to um, keep that physical 
craft uh, from uh, you know being pulled down by gravity by being sucked down to the earth and uh, hitting uh, terminal velocity so anyway anyway big deal i think that is a really interesting deal uh lasers replacing uh spark plugs now you know who knows when this is going to happen this is just something that was uh reported on uh april 21st 2011 and um there's no telling oh the one thing i didn't mention is this uh also would help the the these uh laser spark plugs if you will um, would also reduce emissions because it would burn the air fuel mixture more completely. Um, every time that you turn on your, uh, you start your engine and it runs, you get exhaust gases. And one of the things that the catalytic converter does is try to scrub some of that, uh, uh, scrub some of those emissions that would normally go into the uh, the environment. Well, you can make a a, a vehicle more efficient and produce less uh, emissions and the more you do that the less you need uh, for items like uh, expensive items too like catalytic converters and so on and so forth and it just means that a cleaner running engine is better for the environment you use less fuel and you put out less pollution so it's a win-win now anyway getting back to what I was saying uh, there's no telling how how long it would take for these lasers uh, that replace spark plugs to come out. They do not say in here, but it, you know, certainly you have to produce and show a benefit before you have any chance of it coming out. And, and they certainly have done that here. And I encourage you to go over to science daily and, and read the article yourself. Uh, the, the title of the article is laser sparks revolution in internal combustion engines. And again, it's sciencedaily.com. But uh, the, the, the neat thing about it is, is that people are continuing to try to make the internal combustion engine more efficient. And of course, that is the best thing to do. I mean, it's wonderful thinking about, uh, let's create a Mr. Fusion like was uh, on uh, uh, Back to the Future. But realistically, unless there's a, this, this big breakthrough, that's not going to happen overnight. We need to make more uh, and better use of the um, technology that we have. Improve it, improve it, improve it. And that's what you're doing, doing here. So hopefully this will uh, be something that we see in the, uh, in the near future. Well, uh, I haven't really been watching too much news. Uh, it's pretty much uh, go to work, come home. Um, on Wednesday nights, I do a, a, pod, a live podcast. Uh, I don't know if it would be technically called a podcast if it's live, but uh, it's a live show, and I record it as uh, as a podcast. At Wednesday nights, 8 p.m., uh, I do the uh, the podcast from my uh, Jeep Cherokee uh, uh, website, and uh, which is xjtalk.com. I already spoke a little bit about Jeeps here in this podcast. The Jeep is just a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, if you... Uh, I don't know how many of you out there... Uh, like me from a very young age, was just very fascinated by uh, uh, Jeeps and four-wheel drives and uh, the ability to go where um, cars and uh, even trucks can't go. And I thought that was a really cool idea. And uh, uh, I guess around uh, the age of uh, 24, 21, 22, 23, somewhere in there, 
I uh, I bought my first new vehicle, and it was a uh, a Chevrolet pickup, four wheel drive, and I was just uh, thrilled to to have that. And uh, I put a lift kit and uh, larger tires on it, and it was just a blast sitting up high and uh, having something that was different than other people's vehicles. And it, it the the side benefit was is that you really stood out. It, it was. Uh, uh, the the best thing I could guess I could compare it to is uh, wearing a bright colored shirt or uh, maybe what some of you kids do today, which is uh, get the tattoos. Because <laughs> people look at you. I personally think the tattoos send the wrong kind of signal, but uh, they certainly are different, uh, um, viewed differently now than what they were uh, 20 and 30 years ago. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, look at me. And, and in a way, that's, uh, I think, the side benefit of uh, driving a, a lifted vehicle with uh, larger tires is that because people notice you. They look. I mean, uh, I've seen people uh, trying to uh, break their necks having a look at the uh, at my Jeep. So it makes me very proud to, to have something that people um, enjoy looking at. I mean, I don't get... Uh, it, I guess if I was driving in California, I might get head shaking and, you know, you idiot, uh, destroying the environment and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But thank God I live in Texas. And many of you probably say, thank God you live in Texas, too. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. You're uh, more than happy. Uh, I'm more than happy to let you have your own opinion. And uh, speaking of opinions, again, if you'd like to call into the uh, the show and have your uh, comments or uh, feedback uh, played on the show, uh, please feel free to call our feedback line. It's uh, available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Nobody's going to answer the phone, so you don't have to worry about uh, saying, oh, I was just calling to leave feedback and, and being transferred or any of that silly stuff. All you have to do is call 530 675 4102 530-675-4102 and just uh, leave your name where you're calling from and your comment uh, feedback or your interpretation of the world around you or perhaps how I'm going wrong with mine perfectly fine love uh, love discussion and uh, in fact uh, I have the ability to uh, take calls from people and uh, Record your uh, uh, record a conversation between you and I. So, if you'd like to uh, have a, a conversation uh, for the show to be played on the show, uh, be a show guest, happy to have you. So, you can uh, leave your comments on the the number I gave you. You don't feel comfortable uh, recording your voice on something? Send me an email. I can read it on the show, and uh, you can contact me at Tony at com. So it's Tony T O N Y. And then Muckleroy, which is M-U-C-K-L-E-R-O-Y.com. And if you're not familiar with the uh, the website, which, you know, I, I guess maybe you wouldn't be if you were listening to this on iTunes, um, please uh, have a look at the uh, at the, uh, the website where I have uh, several blog posts, which are kind of be t- being taken over by the podcast because uh, uh, the writing is fun, but um, the talking is a little easier. Uh, still stumbling around on stuff, so uh, as a... And I've probably already said it on this podcast, but I thought it was pretty darn funny. The uh, I made comment the other day that uh, I'm probably having a hard time talking. I've been married for 19 years, and I'm learning how to talk again. Ba-dum-bum. 
So, uh, but that website is uh, com. Same spelling, and it's real simple. It's Muck, M-U-C-K, and then the uh, like the name Leroy. So, Muck Leroy. Anyway, uh, just wanted to uh, jump in here tonight and do a little bit of a, a show so you guys would uh, come to expect it. I've got some uh, great plans for shows in the future. Well, I've got one plan, and I think it's a good plan. It may not be a great plan, but it's a good plan. And uh, hopefully that's going to be kind of happening real soon. I've got the guest lined up. I think I mentioned it last show. And uh, she's ready to go. I just would like to build a little bit of an audience. Uh, it would be great to be able to have some, uh, some people call in or have some people ask questions in a, a Ustream tra- chat room. So my goal is to get this show going for uh, probably 8 p.m. Central Time on Thursday nights on Ustream. And then, of course, available uh, as a recorded show um, later. Anyway, guys, short show tonight, but hopefully entertaining. I'll see you next week. This is Tony Mulgaroy with uh, my interpretation of the world around me. Have a, a good day, good night, or good morning. Stuff coming up.